Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings chapter 6. The next two miracles in the life of Elisha, his ministry, and how God is through him reaching out to that remnant who have not bowed their knees to Baal. As we go through these, the, the accounts of these miracles, we should keep in mind how far-reaching what is happening, how far-reaching it is through the ministry of Elisha by the design of Yahweh going out into every level of life that one could imagine in Israel, the northern kingdom, but also we noted in the miracle of the cleansing of the skin of Naaman, how it has reached beyond Israel, even into the court of the king of Aram. Now, in this particular time, the Aramean king is a very powerful man and Aram is a, a powerful nation not quite as powerful as the southern kingdom of Judah, but more than, rival, more than rivaling the power of the northern kingdom of Israel. Jehoram is the king here during this time. He is the son of Ahab. It's interesting if you carefully follow the development of his uh, reign as king in the northern kingdom, Although it still stands that he did that which was evil in the sight of Yahweh, he is more open to a relationship, a consensual, a, a friendly relationship with Elisha the prophet. Unlike his father who pursued Elijah to kill him and Elijah only appeared to pronounced judgments, you know, and his, 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 his miracles were very powerful. There weren't as many, there weren't as many as the miracles of uh, Elisha, but they were very powerful and they would, and Eli, Elijah would come out of nowhere and he was a, he was a man to himself, uh, but Elisha is much more folksy. We see him mingling with every level of society. And his ministry, Yahweh through him, is of course establishing the truth that the people understand that they're in northern in the northern kingdom, they understand there is a God in Israel. And it's not any better seen than from the hand and ministry of Elisha. So we've gone through these series of miracles that have touched the lives of poor people, wealthy people, kings, the battlefield, um, the, the second highest in command of the, of the Arameans in the case of Naaman. And the miracles have been very personal. Uh, it's gone from, from a widow to a king, the king, three kings actually, a few miracles back, 
when uh, there was a war and uh, the, 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 the southern kingdom of Judah, the king there, asked for a word from the prophet. He was brought in. So more than just a couple of kings, this is the, the powerful ministry, the power of Yahweh. And the glory of Yahweh is seen on every level. That's an important thing to remember. Because where we're headed in 2 Kings is the final demise and collapse of the northern kingdom and how great their sin was when they fell. But here, we're in the midst of uh, Elisha through his ministry making a difference to the glory of Yahweh making a difference in the lives of people and through the people in the life of the nation as well. Keep in mind that Yahweh had reminded Elijah much earlier that he had thousands who had not bowed their knees to Baal. So there's a, there's a strong following of Yahweh, albeit in the minority, yet there's still a strong following. So you can you can sense the contrast of lifestyles and uh, the contrasting personalities that existed, those who enjoyed the way of the king in, in following idolatry and, and, and uh, the worship of a false god, uh, a horrible kind of worship, then those who remained separated uh, from that and at this point in time recognized that their spiritual leader was uh, Elisha. So everything is designed to reach into the hearts of, and minds of these people and also to put the world in that, in, in perspective, put the world there on notice uh, that Yahweh is not to be trifled with. Now he's long suffering. And, you know, many years go through the history uh, of uh, the northern kingdom, but finally, uh, the, the last two prophets will come, Hosea and Amos, and at last pronounce the doom on the northern kingdom. So, how Yahweh honors his um, covenant relationship, these people in the northern kingdom, they don't have the temple. They don't have the priesthood. They don't have a king who is the son of David or a son of David. But they are still in a covenant relationship because that covenant was to Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob. So still heartfelt compassion and mercy for the people uh, who are in this northern kingdom. Now, uh, another miracle uh, a couple of miracles we're going to look at here uh, tonight. So let's uh, get into it. the floating iron. Your Bible may say axe head. Actually, the Hebrew word means iron. And then you could put axe head in italics or parentheses because in the context, it's obvious that it's about an axe head. And the disciples of the prophets said to Elisha, behold, now the place where we are sitting before you is too narrow for us. This is good news. Through the ministry of Elisha, 
the miracles that are being performed. You remember when Naaman, the, the second to the king in Aram, the, the, the chief of the army, he had leprosy. And it just so happened that in their raids, they had uh, enslaved a little maiden, a little girl. That's, it's unlikely that that little girl had ever met Elisha personally, but she knew about him. And she knew how Yahweh worked through him. And it was through that little maiden that Naaman found out about the hope that he might have in having his flesh restored through the prophet in uh, Samaria, the prophet Elisha. So the point is that this, by word of mouth, by testimony, what Yahweh is doing through Elisha is touching lives everywhere. And people have hope in Yahweh. And they also, they also seek to be obedient, as obedient as they can in a land that doesn't have the temple and doesn't have the priesthood, doesn't have the son of David as king. And the king that sits on the throne has written a law forbidding people to go back into the southern kingdom because they were fleeing, really. They were leaving the northern. So they're in a difficult situation, yet still Yahweh cares for them. And still the remnant try to do as, as much as they can on their behalf uh, to worship Yahweh and to remain as obedient as they can in their situation. So here, the school of the prophets has grown. Men are coming out of the, of the villages and cities, apparently, and they are joining themselves to the, seminary, to the seminary, to the Bible study place, the teachings of Elisha, the school of the prophet. There were two of them, apparently. Uh, one at Bethel and one at uh, Gilgal here. Uh, and at least here, this one, is having uh, disciples added to their number. Now, we've already learned from a previous text in the, the for example, the, the miracle of the widow's oil. Her husband was a disciple of the prophets who had died. So these prophets apparently have developed and built a community because they had their families with them. And with the growth of the number of the disciples of the prophets, and the need to enlarge their quarters and the place where they, where they studied, where they slept at times, uh, and where they learned from Elisha, that, that, that place having been outgrown, well, we can add to that in all likelihood the addition of their families in and about the area in, in some kind of village life. Well, everything, they've outgrown their quarters. They've outgrown their place. So they go to Elisha. Look, this place is too small for us now. Let us go now to the Jordan and take from there each man one beam. Each man would drop a big tree, make a beam out of it. 
and let us make a place for ourselves to sit there. And he said, go. So they go to the, the head of the school, their, their master teacher, Elisha, to seek his permission. He gives them his permission. And then one of them said, why don't you go with us? Please be willing to go with your servants. And he said, I'll go. And he went with them and they came to the Jordan and cut down the trees. Okay, understand. We've already studied in a previous miracle, you know, the miracle of, <laughs> of throwing up and diarrhea where the guy got the wrong stuff, the gourd that was bad gourd and made stew out of it. And Elisha performed a miracle and everybody got to be okay. Well, what point here, here is they're, they're, they're at best making a meager living. They're not the most popular people in the world, so they wouldn't be the ones to get the better jobs or have, own the better land uh, and, and enjoy crops. We've seen how people have helped them. Uh, so here, uh, with bread and so forth, so, so here they, uh, they're having to do the best they can in their existence. Here, they want to enlarge their school Elisha goes with them and they come to the Jordan to cut down trees. Now, I said all that to say that they didn't have enough money even to have proper tools to cut down the trees. They had to borrow the tools. That's not something they did anyway. They weren't really craftsmen uh, in that sense. They were, they were disciples of the prophets. And so their job was to obviously, learn from the master prophet, Elisha, and absorb the teachings that he would have been given, giving them to observe the ministry and miracles of Elisha and then be used to share that by way of teaching and testimony themselves out uh, among the people. So they don't have tools, things like that, they had to borrow what they could use to cut down trees. Also, iron is something that is that at this point in time was, was rare. It, you just couldn't find iron implements everywhere, especially because iron could be used for the most effective weapons built in that day. Iron tips, uh, the iron uh, arrowheads, iron spearheads, iron shields, brass swords and so forth would break against iron. So here, here they are using what they could find that somebody was friendly to them and loaned them uh, some tools. They're cutting down the trees. One was casting down the beam and with the iron, it fell into the water. Okay, so he's whacking away with an ax and the ax head comes loose. And as the tree is falling, it's falling toward the water and some kind of action, whether he's whatever happened, the ax head comes off of the handle and the iron ax head falls into the water. Well, this guy panics. He cries out and he says, alas, master, it's borrowed. This, this was an expensive thing, especially in these days. Uh, they had no money anyway. 
what were they to do? How were they, how, there was, was there any thought of how they could reimburse this guy? It's a borrowed thing. It's an iron axe, axe head. And the man of God said to him, where is it? Where did it fall? He showed him the spot. He cut off a piece of wood. This is Elisha. And threw it there. And the iron floated. The miracle of the floating iron axe head. And he said, pick it up for yourself. And he stretched out his hand and took it. The provision in the most basic and common way. Something that was needful for the project, iron axe, that they couldn't afford themselves, had to borrow it from someone who was friendly to the ministry, and he lost it. This would be a most difficult thing for, for all of them. But not as long as Elisha was there. So Elisha, throw in some wood, the iron axe head floated. He reached over and got it. A miracle of blessing for this particular worker or this particular disciple of the prophets in particular, but in general, of course, a, a, a blessing to the man who had loaned the axe head who was not, I doubt he was there helping them. He was unaware of what had happened. But it's a very down home thing. A guy whose miracles had decided a battle on the battlefield regarding three kings. A guy who was sitting at home and one of the grandest uh, convoys, caravans of people came up to his front door, namely Naaman and all of those who attended to him. He had, he had attention from the, 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 the highest ranking people in his part of the world. And yet he cared for the widow who was about to lose her sons into, into slavery. The men who needed to be his disciples, the prophets who, who needed to be fed, who got sick. He cared for them in the most basic way. And he did the same here with regard to the iron axe head. A, a really, really um, compassionate demonstration of the love of God for his people and that he would take care of those who belonged to him, uh, even in this way. And so something that uh, would seem, and it wasn't really in many ways, it wasn't on the scale of what he did regarding the battle where the battle was won, but still the attention of Yahweh is on his people in the, in the slightest of ways. And here, this miracle is a miracle that would strengthen the prophets. Okay, the school had grown. There were more now than there were when, the, when Elijah had left, had really grown under the ministry of Elisha. People hungering to be taught the way of God, the Torah, the law, and uh, the truths 
from heaven that Elisha the prophet could teach and then even demonstrate uh, through uh, miracles. So it is a it is a strength to these men who were leaving everything because the school is growing. They turned their backs on their former lives and were coming and adding themselves and their families to the school of the prophets. And Yahweh would let them know in this most special way that he saw them. He knew where they were, what they were doing, and that he cared for them. Well, again, the report of the love of Yahweh for his people and how he works through the ministry of Elisha would continue to spread. Now, the 12th and the 13th miracles, they're contrasting, really. One miracle opens eyes and the other miracle blinds eyes. So we pick it up here in verse 8 of 2 Kings 6. And the king of Aram was waging war with Israel. And he held counsel with his servants saying, in a hidden secret place, I will encamp. So he's going to uh, ambush. He's, He's going to make a surprise attack against Israel. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware of passing this place, for there are Aramaeans, for there the Aramaeans are encamped. Well, you think about that. I mean, I probably could have added another miracle here in the sense that Elisha knew the guy's thoughts. He knew the Aramean king's thoughts. And he knew his conversation, even though they were separated greatly by time and and space, So he sends a warning showing us that he has become a counselor to Jehoram, the son of Ahab, Jehoram, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Take care when you're out and about. He's aware of of what your routine is and he has an army waiting there to attack you and you won't be ready for this. The king of Israel sent to the place concerning which the man of God had told him and cautioned him. And he took precautions there, not once and not twice. So he was constantly aware. And the king of Aram was greatly disturbed about this matter. He summoned his servants and said to them, Will you not tell me who of ours reveals my secrets to the king of Israel? I have a traitor. I have a spy. I want to know who he is. One of his servants says, you got this whole thing wrong, king. Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. Now this king knows him because he sent a lot of money by Naaman to pay him to to work on the skin and flesh of Naaman. So he's no stranger to the king of Aram. No, you got it wrong, king. Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words, even the words that you speak in your bedroom. Men of God have a special knowledge. (laughs) And he said, go and see where he is. I will send and take him. 
And it was told to him saying, behold, he is in Dothan. <laughs> he was in Panama City Beach the night before, but now he's, that's just down US 431. So I know right where he was. He's in Dothan. Now, the king obviously has no regard for Yahweh. for Yahweh's commitment to his people to take care of them. And for the special anointing that Elisha has from Yahweh. He didn't think about that. You know, I'd, I'd have to ask the question, how can this guy hear my thoughts in my bedroom? How can this guy do this? I, but he's not concerned. That doesn't concern him at all. You go find him and I'm going to come and get him. Well, I know where he is. He ain't hiding from you. He's in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army. And they came at night and surrounded the city. The servant of the man of God arose early and went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. And his attendant said to him, Alas, my master. What shall we do? We don't have to do anything. And he said, have no fear. For those who are with us are more numerous than those who are with them. Elisha prayed. And he said, Yahweh, please open his eyes and let him see. Yahweh opened the lad's eyes, and when he saw, behold, the mountain was full of fiery horses and chariots, chariots of fire, around Elisha. I mean, wherever he looked, as far as he could see, blazing fiery horses, chariots of fire, and the magnificent angelic host that were mounted on those horses and riding in those chariots. All the mountains around, as far as he could see. On every hillside across, even to the top of the mountain, they were everywhere. Elisha prayed, and the miracle came, and the boy's eyes were opened. And what a sight he saw. They came down to him, and Elisha prayed to Yahweh, and said, now here, here come the Aramean soldiers, right? He prayed to Yahweh, said, now strike these people with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. <laughs> well, what are they going to do? I can't see. I can't see. They're bumping into each other and they're going around in circles. And they were probably getting panicked. Elisha said, hey, guys. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. You're kind of messed up, aren't you? Just follow me. And I will lead you to the man you seek. He led them to Samaria. Now here's this fortress of Samaria. Here's a bunch of blind people that were going to attack. They were going to come in and drag Elisha away 
But now this miracle is the miracle of blindness. They can't see. Somehow he leads them, all of this horde of soldiers, he leads them right into the middle of the city of Samaria where they were helplessly surrounded by the forces of the king of Israel, Jehoram. Follow me. I'll show you what you're looking for. Take you right to the man you want to see. And it was then they came to Samaria. Elisha said, Yahweh, now open their eyes that they may see. And Yahweh opened their eyes and they saw, and behold, they were in Samaria. Now the king of Israel said to Elisha when he saw them, Father, shall I slay them? Shows you the respect that uh, Jehoram has for Elisha. And what, a, what, a, what an effect, really, the ministry of God, the people of God, the prophet of God, were having on the other people. And he said, you shall not slay. Do you slay those you have captured with your sword and with your bow? Set food and water for them, let them eat and drink, and then let them go back to their master's. They'll have a story to tell. They went there to capture Elisha. Elisha captured them. And he prepared for them a lavish feast. And they ate and drank. And he sent them away. Now they surely would still have fresh on their minds how this prophet had helped their former leader. There's no mention of Naaman here. We have to believe that he doesn't take part in it. So they would have known what kind of power Elisha had already, had already demonstrated. But now this. They drank. He sent them away. They went to their master's. And Aramean troops no longer continued to invade the land of Israel. Take you back to the time when Elisha watched Elijah going up in a whirlwind, a chariot of fire. And he said, yonder goes the horsemen and chariots of Israel. The man of God, the power of God working through his people greater than any army that could ever be fielded. Now that truth comes out again, this time in the prophet Elisha. Yahweh working through his minister, working through the testimonies of those who have been affected by the ministry of Elisha spreading across the land, having a great effect. Now, obviously, as the story turns out, the people thought more of the pleasures of the worship of Baalim, of the Baalim, than they did of Yahweh. But they had to acknowledge, still yet, the power of Yahweh 
the truth of his word as he empowered his prophet to work in their midst. We'll stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.